I think one, actually one of our, our sales guys, Ali, put a post on LinkedIn the other day. He worked it out for us that the impressions we get as a team, so there's probably like six or seven of us that are very active on LinkedIn on purpose. Um, the impressions we get would have cost us something like 150 grand if we would have gone to an agency or something. Um, and that hasn't cost us anything. So, you know, we've got a marketing budget, but we can do so much with, with nothing just because of all of our presences on LinkedIn. So Nick, you ran a business called Design My Night. You started that when you were 25 years of age. You did that business for seven full years, then sold that business to a UK unicorn, the Access Group, for a reported figure of around 30 million pounds. Mm-hmm. You split those winnings with your co-founder, Andrew. Um, Today, you've left that business and you run a business called Trumpet. Mm-hmm. Tell me about Trumpet. So Trumpet is in the uh, sales space. Um, it's a buyer enablement tool, which is a, a new trend in sales that's really happening this year, which is about making the buyer journey easier. And if you make a better buyer journey, more people are going to buy from you. If you think in sales, we've been focused on tools to make salespeople better, outreach tools, LinkedIn Navigator, recording tools so we're actually thinking about the buyer journey rather than the salesperson Um, and a salesperson can spin up microsites digital spaces where you can put all of your content in all of your customer stories you can personalize them um, and create one space between you and the buyer um, for the whole buyer journey so it also cuts out the hundreds of emails to, to get a deal done basically again if i go from like a naive point of view pitch deck mm-hmm. or a pitch deck mm-hmm. is your standard form of please buy my product or service i send you an email attach a file obviously i know that i have then no knowledge of if they're viewing it etc i know trumpet does that mm-hmm. but uh, do people actually click on the link are they using it yeah are you seeing good feedback from that yeah i think that that's uh, you know one of the main questions is oh you know when you send it to a buyer are they going to click on it um you know and we, and we live in this world where you know, everything's digital. We use Google Docs, Notion, you know, all of these tools where you collaborate with people on a tool. Um, and we say the best use case for Trumpet anyways after the first call. So when you've had a demo or a call with them, you say, look, I'm going to follow up with this digital space um, and this is where we're going to get the deal done together. Um, so then instead of doing a long follow-up email with all your bullet points, your deck attached, your customer testimonials linked off to YouTube, you actually just say, thanks for the call today, here's our digital space, and then they'll click on that link, and they don't have to download Trumpet or anything like that, so they just click the link, and then they've got this beautiful space to work in. Yeah, amazing. I mean, so I know you get a number of your leads from LinkedIn, um, but is it the ultimate sales tool within the ultimate sales tool where someone sends it to a potential client, they use Trumpet, they like using Trumpet, and then they want to use it? Yeah, it's a good point. So yeah, we've got this one of our sort of metrics we track, uh, which our VCs uh, are very keen on as well. It's our viral loop. Um, you know, it's like DocuSign. If someone sends you something to sign, you sign it and then it all pops up saying, do you want to use DocuSign? We're not as brash as that, but a lot of our users have come from customers. So one of our thesis internally is if we can just get as many salespeople sending out, we call them pods, trumpet pods into the world, we're just going to get more customers back. Um, so that's why we don't limit the number of pods you can use on any of our plans because we actually just want as many out there in the world. Awesome. 
I mean, obviously your knowledge about trumpet is going to be amazing. It's your business. A lot of people may assume that when you move away from a business after a good exit, a, a valuable exit to you, more money in the bank account, it's always nice. Um, how involved are you? Very. Um, I think we made that conscious decision when we sold Design My Night, Andrew and myself, um, still relatively young in the grand scheme of things. And and it was COVID, actually. Um, so we were like, well, you know, what, what are we going to do? What do we love doing? What is our purpose now? Um, you know, he's too young in your early 30s <laughs> to start retiring. So, yeah, we, th- we said, look, we love building startups. Um, and then we were ideating and we had about four or five ideas and, and we kept going with Trumpet and kept going with Trumpet. And then we thought, yeah, we're on to something. Um, what we've done differently is we brought in a third co-founder. Right. Um, so Rory, um, who we knew, um, approached him with sort of the bones of an idea, which he loved. He's, he's been in the sales game his whole career. Um, so his CEO. So, so we've sort of taken the pressure off ourselves in terms of like the heavy lifting, the day to day, and we've allowed ourselves to focus on what we love, which for me is marketing and sales. Um, so it actually allows us to use our skills more rather than being bogged down in the day to day running of a business. Got you. And you, you didn't fancy the worldwide travel post post exit. Uh, well, uh, we were going to, but I was locked in my lounge for, for two <laughs> years. So uh, that's when we started Trumpet. Best thing to do is uh, go back to work. <laughs> Start again, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Design my night. We were talking off camera. Lots of things to keep you up at night. Mm-hmm. Every time the phone rang or buzzed, you weren't sure if it was, you know, a family member checking in or if it was the whole site's come crashing down at two in the morning. Mm-hmm. Trumpet now, today, what keeps you up at night? What keeps me up at night? Well, I think my my brain as a person is very active. Um, you know, that's why we keep coming up with loads of ideas and and for trumpet and for future businesses. Uh, sort of that's how my brain works. I'm always ideating. Um, so nothing keeps me up at night in terms of panic, like design <laughs> my night, which uh, is good. Um, it's more just yeah, ideas like okay, what could we be doing better? What marketing strategies could we be doing that we're not doing? Um, what have I learned that day from maybe other companies I've seen that we could apply to Trumpet? So it's more just constantly thinking how we can be better, and that's just how my mind works. It's always sort of alive. How do you stop yourself from uh, going down the magpie effect? Most entrepreneurs get distracted quite easy, shiny object syndrome. Yeah, I know I do. Yeah, it's quite hard sometimes to stay focused. Yeah, feel often the good entrepreneurs. Yeah, stand out from the okay entrepreneurs. Yeah, they they can focus. Yeah. How do you do that? Well, I think that was one of our biggest learnings. You know, I often get the question, okay, what did you learn at Design My Night that you've taken to Trumpet? Um, and that was one of them. So, um, as you say, not to get distracted. Uh, we know what we need to do with Trumpet. We know what we need to execute. We know what the product needs to do that it doesn't do now. Um, so we're just very focused on doing all of that. Whereas, yeah, Design My Night, you know, as a first-time founder, you know, it's networking and partnership opportunities and new f- product ideas. Um, and we probably made a few mistakes in, like, the first three years of Design My Night, which slowed us down. So we were very focused with Trumpet that we were not going to do that. Um, so there's not a skill. It's just telling yourself to stay focused and mm. just reminding yourself if you are getting distracted. Mm, absolutely. So not so long ago, although it may feel like it, you were at L'Oreal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you then stepped into your entrepreneur journey. The old question, or maybe it feels like an old question these days, corporate or startup, to become an entrepreneur. Yeah. 
what is the best route? I don't think there is a best route. Um, I I think the corporate world is often maligned at the moment, but I a I loved working at L'Oreal. It's straight out of uni. It's a, as you can imagine, it's a very young, fun company to work at. Um, it's a pure play marketing company. Yes, it's a beauty company, but you know, there's only so many ways you can repurpose a mascara or something. Um, <laughs> it's, it's how they market it. Um, so I just learned there. You know, I got my head down, learned marketing properly. I did languages at university, so I never did marketing per se. So I learned, you know, marketing. I learned to manage a P&L, a budget, a marketing budget, uh, manage a team, um, look at better managers, how they managed me as well. Um, so I just took all of that learning um, into design my night um you know i often see start uh, founders come straight out of college or university or whatever get given have an idea get given vc money and you know they've and no wonder it goes wrong most of the time you know they have never managed a budget they've never managed people mm. they've never had a strategy um they've got a great idea they've got an idea but, but you know execution yeah. as everyone knows is is the main thing so I, I always encourage young founders to give it a go. Um, but for me, either corporate was a great grounding for me, or if you just love the startup world, go and work for a startup, see how it actually works, tell the founder you want to learn um, and sort of cut your teeth somewhere, mm. I always say, before jumping straight in. Because mm. I dove in. Like I had the grad scheme opportunity from an IBM mm -hmm. um, or the five-person startup in motorcycle training. My mum thought I was bloody crazy, but I did choose the startup route. Um, and I do wonder, of course, what would it have been like if, if, if life had gone the other way? But no regrets, for sure. Talking about no regrets, mm -hmm. you've invested in a ton of startups post Design My Night, 60 or so, mm -hmm. by, by my understanding, uh, between yourself and Andrew. Um, which one, if you had to pick one, do you think is going to have the biggest impact on the world or their space? Question one. Mm -hmm. And question two, which one's going to have the biggest impact on you? Oh, God, you caught me on the loop here. Uh, <laughs> they're all my babies, and <laughs> I all love them equally before I answer that question. Um, God, biggest impact on the space... So yeah, there's one called Honest Mobile. Um, so that's two great founders, um, Andy and Josh, and they looked at the telco industry... Uh, you know, how many people do you speak to love their telephone provider? None. Not many. Probably. Um, so they sort of took the Monzo effect to telco. Um, so, you know, it's all eSIM. It's very forward thinking. You get, uh, you can manage all of it in an app. Um, you actually save money uh, as you stay there. They don't put your bills up. Um, so they've just sort of looked at telco in a totally different way. Um, they're doing really well. Um, got some good backers as well. So I think they're they're sort including of including you, <laughs> including me, better than me. So I think they're um, yeah, I think they'll have a huge impact on on the space. Um, impact on me, Ooh. not personally, but learning wise, I, I invest in one called Pub X, which is actually in digital advertising, and it's a space I knew zero about. Um, met the founder who had been in digital public space for like 10, 15 years. Um, and I still don't fully understand all the ins and outs of it, but I've learned a ton about digital publishing, mm. which I just had no idea about before. So that sort of opened my eyes to a whole new industry. I mean, I guess it's uh, people might assume that investors are these knowledgeable, 
but <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> Maybe not. Definitely <laughs> not. I know. I think why when I try invest, um, like I know SaaS, so I know how to build a SaaS product, and I know how to market a SaaS product, and I know how to sell a SaaS product. Um, Design my night is has B two C as well, of course. So you know, I know the ins and outs of sort of SEO and building a sort of media co so to speak um so i sort of look at it like that i'm like okay well if i don't understand the industry i can learn that but i understand SaaS, so you can teach me about the industry and let's learn my principles of building SaaS and sort of put them together mm. yeah absolutely and i completely understand that as well so it's about what you offer and if you can get a good investment board or a good range of investors they can all add the yeah. value in their specialism really exactly biggest indulgence Nick Telson, what is your biggest indulgence in life? Indulgence in life. What, financially? <laughs> Take it <laughs> as you indulgence. will. <laughs> well, the, the wishy-washy answer I'd say is time. Okay. So, you know, that was one of the things I said to myself, if I'm going to go again, uh, like design my night was 24-7, non-stop, literally holidays, weekends, everything, you know, work too hard almost on design my night so I've afforded myself a lot more time now and I treasure my time and it's not all focused on work um and what do you do with your time um learn new skills so I try and do like courses um I'm going to say actually financial indulgence which is linked to this is sort of in sense smells so like aftershaves candles all of that so I've done quite a few like perfumer courses so I can sort of make my own now at home uh, which I'm not selling (laughs) um um, languages I love languages so I'm learning Japanese at the moment um so yeah just just trying to do stuff that I love and and get better at them um and just giving yourself time just to like breathe so like since covid now I actually just love going for walks and mm. I did that obviously covid every I day we were talking about this on LinkedIn weren't we yeah. you, every morning you take every morning I go for a walk hour, at just, least yeah. put on a podcast which is nothing to do with work or business I'm a big Spurs fan so you know it'll often be like a Spurs podcast or or an audiobook so I'm a really slow reader so the the invention of audiobooks I love. So now I can actually consume books. And again, it will try and be like fiction or just, you know, not business focused. You know, everyone says to me, oh, I bet you listen, you know, always listen to business books. And I'm like, actually, when I go for a walk or like here, I walked here mm-hmm. um, and I put my phone in my pocket. I don't look at it and I will listen to something that is nothing to do with business. Amazing. Um, and it's just, th- I actually uh, adore that. It's better than for me, like the gym or anything like that. Love it. Social media. Mm. You said via LinkedIn or via podcast that you got mm-hmm. 70% of your initial leads mm-hmm. for Trumpet yeah. um, via your presence, Andrew's presence, Rory's presence online and the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your view on social media for business? So I think for business, it's it's critical. Um, you know, LinkedIn is, is off sort of the ugly duckling of social media. Um, but for us, it's, you know, that's where our customers are um and it's it's free it just takes your time um so i loved building a, i hate the word but like a personal brand on linkedin and i've sort of been doing it for like four or five years now uh, met some great people been introduced to great people um and yeah a lot of our customers are on there as well so it gives you credibility as a business you know if you've got the following and you can speak with um domain experience um 
so, but from a personal point of view, I don't have any social media. So no I don't, social media. So no others. Not so I, Instagram. Nothing. So nothing. I only have LinkedIn for work, and I don't really share personal stuff. I'm not the person that will share a picture of me and my dog. I don't have a dog, but yeah. me and a dog. I was going to say <laughs> you don't need Instagram these days. <laughs> no. You've got people posting pictures yeah, of their dogs. It's anyway. not my vibe at all. So I keep it. You know, I'm very. I speak my truth on LinkedIn, but f about business. So I keep my personal life to myself. Um, I don't, no one else needs, you know, my friends and my family know what I'm up to. That's all I care about. So I think that's another way of affording myself time and breathing space is I don't get wrapped up in, in, in social media, which I just think is, does a lot more harm than good from a personal point of view. Yeah, I completely understand. I, I have a number of friends who are, doing it in very phased approaches, you know, deleting the Instagrams of this world for a period of time, coming back on, maybe replying, having it a bit, and then and then deleting it again. Yeah. And I, I really understand that. I mean, for me personally, and you as well, LinkedIn is a necessity. Yeah. Um, do you think you could have done it? Like Trump it? Do you think you could have done Trump it to the same impact that you have today yeah. without your Probably presence not. on LinkedIn? Probably not. Um, it would have been a lot harder, so, you know, to, to get the wheels turning, all of the, that inbound eventually from LinkedIn, has helped us grease the wheels of trumpet. So I think if we didn't have that present, it, presence, it would have just gone to traditional outbounds, going to my network. Um, so I'm sure we would have got there, but actually to get the wheels turning quicker, because especially me and Rory had a presence on LinkedIn, um, it just made the launch of trumpet a lot easier. Mm. Yeah, and especially, I guess, I don't know what your marketing budget is for trumpet now, but I suppose it especially in the early days, didn't need to be as much. Yeah, I think one, actually one of our, our sales guys, Ali, put a post on LinkedIn the other day. He worked out for us that the impressions we get as a team, so there's probably like six or seven of us that are very active on LinkedIn on purpose. Um, the impressions we get would have cost us something like 150 grand if we would have gone to an agency or something. Um, and that hasn't cost us anything. So, you know, we've got a marketing budget, but we can do so much with, with nothing just because of all of our presences mm -hmm. on LinkedIn. And it's just consistency of half an hour a day sometimes. Consistency, um, being genuine. You know, again, we were talking off camera. I can smell a personal branding agency a mile sure. off. Um, uh, authenticity. People want to know that they're speaking to you. You know, and if there's someone you really admire but you're not, and you're commenting and you think they're commenting back, but it's their agency or what's the point really? So, you know, we run our own socials. Um, we don't think about it too much. We're just very genuine. I'll have spelling mistakes in mind. You know, sometimes I'll be walking and I'll just type out something. Um, and I think people really appreciate the, the genuine nature of, of mm. posting. There's nothing like an engaged audience member calling out your spelling error. <laughs> <laughs> Which then does happen. You're like, okay, thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks, thanks for guys. that. <laughs> yeah, cheers. Um, should you go all in on your side hustle? So for all those aspiring entrepreneurs out there, should you go all in on a side hustle mm -hmm. or do what you did at Design My Night, which was take your time, over time, yeah. building it on the side? I mean, it depends, you know, the what financial position you're in. Um, so uh, Design My Night, you know, we were young and Andrew and I um, needed our salary from our, our day jobs. So, yeah, we did a year of, of starting DMN while having our jobs. Um, I don't think you need to go all in. Um, I think, you know, actually, you know, give it a go. Um, it's, it's 
sounds flippant, but it's so much easier to start a business now. Um, and you don't have to spend a fortune. You don't have to put all of your eggs in that basket. Um, so, you know, if it's SaaS, get it going. You can use no-code tools now like Bubble to actually build the product. 100%. Um, give it to some people, get them to try it, say, would they pay for it? Um, and build it slowly from there. And then, yeah, if you start getting some traction, then you make the jump. D to C, you know, you can get a Shopify account live yesterday. You can get a freelancer on Fiverr to do your branding. Um, you know, so you can get stuff going very quickly. Um, you can do drop shipping now, so you don't have to pay a fortune up front. Um, and again, put it out there, see the reaction. Um, because then I think that just alleviates the anxiety and stress. Like if, if you're all in on something mm. um, and you don't even know if it's going to be successful. Uh, and I think that's one of the problems we have is people don't really know how to ideate properly. Yeah. So they'll come up with an idea. They think it's the best idea after a day. They've got the brand the next day and then it, it's ready to go. But they have an idea. You know, we take about three months at least when we come up with an idea first um, to then think, is this a good idea? And that's even before even thinking of a brand name or anything like that. So I think definitely start slow. There's no shame in that. If you get traction, then you can make a bit more of a rational decision. Yeah, because I, I mean, I'm completely conflicted on this one. So I went all in mm -hmm. in my first business um, and, and I suppose my second business as well. But I had I had a done, done a business for three, four years before that. But I do believe in being comfortable. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of people go, oh, what do you mean being by being comfortable? But I'll be honest, I don't do my best work when I have to worry about the rent being paid. Mm -hmm. Um and a lot of entrepreneurs out there, I'm sure they need that pressure. They need that challenge. They, they, they thrive in that scenario. Yeah. For me personally, I don't mind a bit of pressure. Yeah. I don't mind that. Uh, I quite enjoy that. And I think I achieve quite good results under that. But being scared about paying the rent yeah. is not for me. And that's it. So it's horses for courses. And, and, and don't forget, like, when we're talking about startups and entrepreneurialism, um, there's so many different avenues of that. You know, you, I think people just read like TechCrunch and people that are raising <laughs> tens and twenties and hundreds of millions are successful. Um, but being a, a founder can be your own little Shopify business that you're making 90 grand a year from. Brilliant. Like that's yeah. a, a wonderful salary. You can live very comfortably off that. It's your own thing. You don't have to answer to anyone. Great. You can have something with a team of five. Um, you know, not everything has to be venture backed scale globally sell for tens of millions hundreds of millions so again there's just lots of different avenues you can go and especially if you just want to try it out first as well absolutely i mean you might have a side hobby of making candles or drawing pictures as you said earlier jump on shopify take some nice photos put it against a white background with some good lighting yeah. you can these days you can do that on the latest iphone you don't need fancy equipment put that online sell them for whatever and yeah. I mean, yeah, if you're making 90, 90K a year, it's like triple the average salary in this country. Yeah. So it's a really damn good business. Yeah. Um, but you could do all that yeah. on a weekend. Yeah. Like and now with AI and, you know, so there's going to be, you know, even more ways of, of being able to do stuff quickly, have expertise without actually having the expertise. Um, it's, it's a shame, but, you know, that's the way it's going. So I think that will even allow you to do it even quicker and cheaper. Um, so, yeah, all the options are open. But, yeah, I think you've just got to think as a founder, 
it, it's valid whatever your business you don't have to be this big scalable global company that's in tech crunch to be a successful founder yeah 100 percent. like that they are the one percent of the one percent that you're seeing going on tv or or the, the huge podcasts yeah I mean, it's exactly what this podcast is all about is the everyday founder yeah it's about actually you're in the one percent if you're just starting your own business yeah um and, and there's a lot to be celebrated for that yeah networking yeah the biggest taboo out there everyone hates to say it and loves to do it uh what's your view on networking and how do you do it best outside of the hey nick how are you yeah. as a cold dm which i'm sure you get many of uh i hate to talk about it and hate to do it um <laughs> so but you do do it I, d I mean, I, I, I don't really go to like networking events, uh, never really have. It's not really something I enjoy doing. Um, I, I, I'm actually quite, you wouldn't believe it, but I'm quite a sort of insular sort of introvert. Um, you know, I can stand on a stage in front of a thousand people and talk about business without breaking a sweat. Um, but yeah, going into a room and doing like small talk one-on-one, -on -one, uh, I'm just like, I just don't enjoy it really. Um, so I just don't put myself in those situations. Um, again, we were saying off camera, you know, design my night, Andrew and I were head down, didn't go to networking events, uh, meeting other founders wasn't going to help our business. Like mm. we had mentors around us. We had angels around us. Um, we had each other, um, unless there were restaurant operators at, at these networking events, it wasn't going to help us. So I'd rather have spent two hours building the business than sort of peacocking in a, a networking <laughs> event. Um, so I understand, you know, if you're new to the game and you're a solo founder, especially, it's great to have other founders around you. Um, but yeah, it's not something I love. Um, yeah, there's also like digital networking and, and podcasts and stuff. Um, Again, I think it's the same as having like a social presence is, is dro dro drop the guard, be authentic. Um, I say to a lot of especially younger fans I meet is the first thing you need to do is drop your ego. Mm -hmm. I think if you go into any business as a founder or a scenario with an ego, that ego will rule you and, and you'll make bad decisions because it's your ego telling you to do that. So you know, no matter how successful you are or how new you are, um, if you go to every scenario without an ego and just be very authentic, um, it's good to be a bit like understand what you want from this. Like, you know, networking can be transactional as well. Mm -hmm. You know, if you leave a networking event and you haven't got anything out of it to help you, you know, you're not Mother Teresa. You don't, you don't have to go to a network <laughs> event to help everyone. So if you don't come out to help you, then what's the point? So, you know, also be a bit strategic. Think who's going to be there. If there is a list available um, or you can see, you know, one of the invite links, you know, think who do I want to go and meet and who do I want to go and yeah, talk yeah. to? Have a bit prep ready what you're going to say. So it's not just, hey, how are you? You know, oh, God, I really wanted to chat to you. I actually saw your post on LinkedIn about X, Y, Z. Um, or actually, I was using your business the other day. Um, I really liked this Try and this. Try free demo. Yeah. Whatever that may look like. Yeah. Power, of, power of LinkedIn in there as well, right? What yeah. Is one of the best conversation starters yeah. is I saw your post or, yeah. or like I interacted with that post and that's the same for sales so you know when you do cold outreach it's not just hey nice to meet you here's trumpet it's oh actually you did a post two weeks ago that I engaged with and it really resonated with me because x y and z um, that got me thinking I should message you blah, 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 blah. that instantly drops their guard that you're not just selling to them even though you are um, <laughs> so yeah in all walks of life if you 
are interested and interesting, then um, I think you'll make better connections with people. Yeah, 100%. So let's talk about relationships then. So being a business owner, being a entrepreneur is quite time consuming, mm-hmm. uh, mentally consuming as well. Mm-hmm. How do you personally maintain healthy relationships or mm-hmm. try to, mm-hmm. ma- to maintain healthy relationships off the field? Yeah, um, I think everyone has to be understanding. It's a very selfish game being a founder. Um, so other half, best friends, family, um, was very much aware of what I was going into. Um, and I think you've just got to be open with them and you're just like, look, if if I don't, you know, a best friend or something, like, if I can't go to this or if I don't see you, it's not because I don't want to, it's because I have to do this for, at the time, design my night. Um, so I think uh, it's, it's another big bit of advice I give to founders before they start is making sure your support network know what you're letting yourself in for um, because you have to have the backing of family, mm. friends, loved ones um, because as I said, it's very selfish, you know, yeah. that becomes your priority and that's very hard for some people to accept. Um, but then again, I was also saying, I don't want to do this forever. I am working towards this goal with Design My Night um, to then put us in a better position mm. um, and then be in a position like I am now where, yes, I'm still doing businesses, but, you know, with a lot more time on my hands and doing it in a lot more sort of calm manner. Um, so it's also what goal are you trying to achieve and again take ego out of it what I was trying to achieve with design my night was financial freedom for my life with me and my other half uh, to help my family if they needed it um, to help friends if they needed it Um, so that was always my goal so telling them that's you know that's why I was doing it and my own personal desire to win at what I do so but you just got to be open with them. Um, so yeah. it's not easy. It's really not easy. Completely agree. I think if you are six months into your entrepreneurial journey as a young founder, or I suppose any entrepreneurial venture, and you're in a rut, maybe business isn't going as well as you want it to, and that's when you're figuring out who your actual true friends are, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's a very dark place potentially. Um, yeah. And I think, as you said, if you kind of, prep yourself in the best way it's not just market research and doing all the right things for for you as a business owner but actually mentally preparing yourself and the loved ones you have around you you know if that means you go from a 10 person friendship group or support group to a five but you sort of set those guidelines out from the start you're going to be in a much better position than figuring that out along the way yeah um so yeah completely agree yeah it's the same as social media like you don't need a hundred friends you just need five or ten really, really good ones because um, you haven't got time to see everyone all the time anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> how many of those hundred friends do you actually <laughs> yeah, see exactly. like semi regularly? Um, so, you know, it's yeah, it's, it's just surround yourself with people that uh, you you can help um, and that they can help you as well. And yeah. you know, like friendship, loved ones, whoever it has to be like this mutual beneficial partnership. Yeah, hundred percent. So, design my night. The aim for Nick Telson was financial freedom. Mm-hmm. Trumpet, the next 20 years, you've got a long way to go. You're, no, Hope so. you're, you're, you're <laughs> a young man. What's, uh, what's next for you? What are your goals? I think there's the pressure off with Trumpet. 
our investors might not might, <laughs> might not agree, but it allows us to operate better. Um, so yeah, not you know fi- financial goals aren't really what we you know I'm gunning for with Trumpet. Um, Rory, it's his first one, so you know maybe more so with him. I wouldn't like to speak for him. Um, for me, it's that desire to to win, and that's not an ego thing. It's an internal thing that I can do it again and succeed. Um, whatever succeeding looks like for Trumpet. Um, so, yeah, it's not necessarily, you know, we have to sell it for Design My Night levels or sell it for bigger levels. Um, you know, I'm less fussed about that. Um, and I'm more about, okay, can I build another business that our customers love, um, that sort of changes an in industry um, and build something of real value? Uh, and I'm a big believer in building a sustainable business. So Trumpet, we, we took VC money, but we're very much building it as if we didn't. So, you know, very focused on, on getting to profitability, not blowing money, being very careful how we spend it. Um, so, you know, we want to build a sustainable business as well. Um, so, yeah, and then beyond that, I try not to think too far in advance. Uh, I really don't. You don't know what's around the corner. Um, I'm very much... Uh, day-by-day person you know trumpet obviously i've got strategies of where it needs to be that's different but personally day-to-day um yeah i'm just like can i can i get through the day (laughs) can the day at least bring me some joy um some days have more joy than others and then you go again the next day absolutely what's your non-negotiable non-negotiable at work and non-negotiable at home like counselling. Um, hey, this is this is entrepreneurial therapy. <laughs> what is my non-negotiable? <laughs> I think non-negotiable at work has shifted. Um, I like to get to the point. So I think what I try and instill in the team that I directly work with at Trumpet is let's just get to the point. So like, let, let's not have a 45-minute meeting. Let's have a 20-minute meeting and get to the point. If something's wrong, just tell me it's wrong. Let's not fluff around it. Um, I Do people think you're blunt if you're, if I, you're I, going I, that I think direction? you can come across blunt, but it's something I, I actually wanted to try. I think I was too far the opposite. And actually, Andrew is a lot better at you know, just getting to the point than I ever was. I was always like the very like friendly, approachable founder. But I, I think I've learned you can do both. Um, sure. Like the team that I work with now know at heart I'm a nice guy I want the best for them I want the best for trumpet they also know I'm very busy um and it saves them time as well so I think it's a great skill to be able to learn is just to to get to the point you know what are we trying to say what are we trying to get out of this meeting um as a language student it's something I always learn in writing so a great skill in writing is to be able to write something in one paragraph that other people might <laughs> write in three paragraphs. Yeah. It's something I always learn. I remember since A-level was like being condensed in the way you write. Um, and in my personal life, um, I think the non-negotiable is, is, is balance. So it's um, I want to be able to... Everyone that knows me and loves me and I love in my personal life know that I need that side of them in my life, but I also need this business side for me to be happy as a whole person. So the non-negotiable is understanding that I have joy on, on both sides of the fence and that I need both to be sort of a, a, a better loving person in my personal life and also a better founder on the other side. Mm, balance is hard. Balance is very balance hard. Balance is very hard, <laughs> but very important. <laughs> 
Um, talking about your loved ones, your husband. Yeah. How would he describe you in one sentence? And yes, this is therapy. How did he describe me in one sentence? Hmm. I think he would say I am caring, but also very driven. Nice. Awesome. So final, final question, final part. Just uh, open conversation, curious about your opinion. Technical ability versus mental ability. What do you think is more important for a entrepreneur, young, mm. old, doesn't matter, to succeed? Do you think it's their technical prowess, mm -hmm. or mental resilience? And maybe link it back to yourself. Do you consider yourself a smart individual? Do you consider yourself mentally strong? Over to you. I think as a founder, and I, I've said it, I think you, you need to have one skill that you're very good at um, that's relatable in business. I, I do think that. So whether it's um, sales or marketing or code or product, or whatever it may be, branding, I think you need to have one that you excel at and that you really enjoy. Um, yes, as a founder, you have to be everything at the start. Um, but I think if you are excellent at one, um, you know, that will give you a leg up. Um, so I think you can, uh, you can learn a lot of it on the job. If you think like sales, uh, if you're open to learning and learning the techniques that there are in sales, a lot of it is personality driven, uh, with sales. Um, so I don't think it's necessarily like exact technical ability, like being an engineer, um, but then if you have that and not the mental resilience, you won't succeed. So, you know, I have backed some incredible founders that when I met, you know, just just blew my mind, you know, with the way they were talking to me. But then actually when the, the roller coaster starts happening, which inevitably does for every business, they didn't have the mental resilience, toughness, whatever you want to call it, to, to see the wood for the trees calm down, think strategically, think how to get through that and have failed. Um, so I think you, I think you need both. Mm. Um, but I would really say to a founder, like, just really think hard, no matter how young or old you are, like, what is, what is your one superpower? And pretty much everyone will have, everyone will have one, one thing right? and they might not know it yet, but actually if they think, and it, you know, it could be networking, you know, yeah, that sure. could be a superpower. So whether it's personality driven, skills driven, educational driven, like, what is your one superpower that, you know, sets you apart from the same person next to you set starting the same company? Um, really hone in on that. Um, and then, as everyone always says, you then eventually hire the people around yeah. you to sort of plug the gaps. Yeah, I agree. I think one skill, super important. But I think the bit which definitely I see that stands most successful, depending on how you, I suppose you measure success, for successful entrepreneurs is that self-discipline, self-determination, all of the self, self, self stuff, yeah. which I think if you have the ability to be mentally strong and mentally able in that capacity, yeah. and no entrepreneur is perfect and a lot of them suffer with everything from anxiety to, to, to anything really. Um, but if you can be that mentally strong or mentally able person, I think you do stand in a great position to just accomplish anything you kind of put your mind to it. Yeah. And even if you're not that skilled, um, you then can set your mind to learning that skill better than most. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think it's a hard balance, yeah. as we were talking about earlier. But for me, I think being mentally 
sort of technically yeah. yes but mentally strong yeah and i think Super it's the same as like putting as i said like if you put your ego aside and you're willing to learn so even now you know i've i've built a team of over 100 we sold that business uh, it's, it was software it was b2c i've learned a lot but i've come to trumpet and you know, I'm nowhere near as much of a sales expert in my training as Rory. And I ask him every day for tips and hints to learn from him. Same the people I brought in in marketing. I've been doing marketing since L'Oreal, but someone younger will know how to sort of optimize TikTok better than I will. So sure. I Me think too. you've also, <laughs> yeah, I still have mastered it. So I think you've got to be just open to learn as well as a founder. Like if you have that arrogance, mm. um, I don't think that's a very good trait either. Yeah. I know it all won't be successful, um, most likely. Most likely. <laughs> Nick Tellison, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Everyday Founder. If you haven't already, like or subscribe wherever you are watching or listening to this episode. If you know of an incredible founder that story needs to be shared, then let me know who you would like to see next on The Everyday Founder via the comment section or messaging me on LinkedIn. These episodes are brought to you by Shake Content, your LinkedIn content agency. So please show them support on all socials so that we can keep bringing you amazing guests and sharing their stories on The Everyday Founder.